football season isn't going the way we wanted to. Some things you can't rely on. Some things you can't trust. Marcos Garza is not one of those things. I'm proud to partner with him for the Reeds Ranch podcast. If you find yourself or a loved one or a friend needing legal representation this football season, do the smart thing. Trust the Garza Law Firm. He won't let you down. He won't overthrow you. He won't underthrow you. He'll just throw it to you. 865-540-8300. That's the phone number. Online 24-7 at GarzaLaw.com. GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyer, criminal defense lawyer, and personal injury lawyer. Before you say guilty, say Garza. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to The Unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. (laughs) But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his hair cut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. <laughs> Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. Eh, eh, 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch. It is Tuesday, October 24th. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing okay. How are you handling the loss? Tennessee lost Alabama again. <coughs> it's been a long time since I've been this mad over a loss. That's how I felt, too. A lot, I'm still mad. I was thinking about it this morning, and I was getting mad again. I was getting mad again. There's a lot of things I'm mad about. Well, here we go. Here's your chance to air them out, and hopefully by tonight when you lay that pretty head of hair down on your pillow with no sheets on your bed, hopefully you find yourself at peace and you can finally move forward. It has a sheet. It has a Lacoste comforter on it. It's very nice. I am mad that Squirrel White every week is the best player on the field, and every week it doesn't matter. I'm mad that his homecoming was ruined. I'm mad that he was the best player on the field Saturday, was unguardable, had an had an amazing catch. Not to mention the first pass he caught on the day, the, the crossing route that was behind him. was He was incredible. He was just amazing. He almost broke one on the screen where Jalen Wright was the lead block, blocker. They, they tripped him up. I'm mad that we're wasting him. He's incredible. He's awesome. I'm mad we're wasting him. It makes me sad. He deserves a lot better. He was awesome Saturday, and he deserved better in front of his friends and family. I'm mad that we were up 20-7 to and proceeded to just turn around and bend over. I'm mad that James Pierce didn't play in the fourth quarter. What was the deal there? Nobody, I have no clue. I have no clue. I mean, I, Rodney Garner is probably, I mean, he is one of like, one of two of the all-time greatest SEC defensive line coaches, it's safe to say, and he's done a great job with rotating. But at some point, at some point, we have to quit the rotating. It's great that, like, we can work in Omar Norman a lot 
and Joshua Josephs, both are who are good players into our second team and deserve to play. Josephs especially had a really good game on Saturday. But, like, at some point, like, come on, dude. Like, Pierce is the game changer. I'm mad that Alabama offense just started putting men in motion in the second half, and then, boom, it was over. Do we have some type of read that says when men go in motion, we automatically switch to zone defense? I don't know. Did you? But did you notice that in the second half? Like, I feel like I'm ranting. I mean, I was acting like a crazy person at the game. But I was just ranting to my sweet sister, the best person in the world that I know, an amazing human being. She had to want to kill me. I'm just ranting to her about men in motion in the third quarter because they start doing it, and it's just like we, we just melt. Why do we play zone ever with these guys? They can't do it. We've got, we've got game after game where they've played zone and have been dog shit. They have been atrocious. I'm mad that Tim Banks got schooled by Tommy Reese. Tim Banks was so close to getting Tommy Reese's ass run out of town on a rail in the middle of October. And he turns around and lets Tommy Reese just... Just embarrass him. Now, that being said, it wasn't the defense's fault. I don't want to rant too much about the defense. I'm mad that Joe Milton had Dylan Sampson open on a third and goal, and he missed him. He wasn't even close on the pass. I'm mad that Jacob Warren can't jump. I'm mad at Jacob Warren, period. The worst game he's ever had. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Play the the freshman and, and Colin McCastles. But I'm also mad that Joe Milton just can't hit Jacob Warren in the chest. On third and goal. Two easy touchdown passes. As bad as the play calling was in the second half. And it was bad. It was bad. It was awesome in the first half, I thought. thought it was awesome in the first half. And I, the, with the play calling, it was bad. I agree. It's terrible. I just, to me, the, the play calling sucks because of the quarterback. Honestly, I came out of Saturday with only – my only complaint about play calling is we don't go under center and just push our big-ass quarterback for a first down on fourth and short. I've got two issues with the – I've got two issues with fourth down. I, I agree. Play calling in the first half was masterful, I thought. I mean, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was like last year. I thought he was just pulling all the right strings. I thought we had some really unique and interesting – He can, he is an awesome – play caller. It was bad in the second half because we don't let our quarterback throw across the middle of the field, and the play calling sucks to the quarterback. The fourth downs, there's two things. One, the simple thing is what you just said. Why do we not do this? Can Joe not go under center? Hendon could. We did. We went under center with Hendon. With Hendon. Can Joe not? I got I got, got a tough time believing he can't. Well, if he can't in year six, that's a completely different conversation, but I would imagine that he can go under center. I would imagine he can, and I believe he has before. Two, two. The, the, the run game has been, has been awesome ever since Heupel got here. And it's awesome because it is spread out. It's awesome because we're in this 11 formation with the tight end and three wide receivers and everyone's spread out and you have to choose. And if you choose pass, we run and we gash you. But here on fourth down, we're not doing that. We're bringing Squirrel White into a bunch formation. What the hell is he going to do other than get hurt? He's your best player. If you're going to bring in a bunch formation, then, like, just put Joe under center and just push behind. I don't understand. Like, if we're going to run out of shotgun, keep it spread. Keep it spread. 
Don't bring everyone in. 100% agree. And maybe even just mix in some throws. I agree. I was thinking that earlier. I was saying that earlier. Why do we not throw the ball? Like, they they had... There's no way they believed we were going to throw the ball. There's zero chance they thought he's going to throw the football. We love the short passes. We love the quick hitters, the get four yards. Why not try those on fourth down? Like the little the little screenplay to squirrel that we've run a million times that always gains yards. Throw that or throw a swing pass out and about. Get your guy running and throw him a screen pass, a swing pass, I mean, and hope that he can get a yard. Because you would think by now, even dating back to 2021 against Pittsburgh, and the goal line against Purdue, which you can argue that they scored whatever. You, you didn't score enough, according to Purdue and the officials in that game. You aren't able to do this. You haven't been able to do it your entire tenure here. You're definitely not going to be able to do it on the road against Alabama. Let's try something different. Let's either go quarterback sneak with your big-ass quarterback, push him with Jacob Warren. Let's make Jacob Warren useful. Push him for a first down. Or let's throw some quick hitters. Because Joe is pretty accurate three yards down the field. I'll give him that. He's good at throwing behind the line of scrimmage and like two feet in front of the line of scrimmage. I'm fine with that. Let's use those skills for good. He's mastered that. I will say the five and a half years in college have have led him to be a very quick screen passer. And they're usually accurate enough. And he gets it out fast enough with his razor laser rocket arm that were able to pick up four or five yards pretty much at will. Until until we get in the red zone, of course. I was screaming on the first touchdown pass. I was screaming to no one in particular about how, like, he went. It's a miracle that was a touchdown because he waited so long to throw it to Squirrel. Squirrel was open for so long. Like, a great job by Josh. That got Squirrel White on Chris Braswell, who is a great player, but he is not a defensive back. And he waited forever to throw it to Squirrel. And it took a miracle catch. It should have been a, it should have been the easiest touchdown in the world. And I know that it was CB or Marwan said, like, I think it was like Chaz Nimrod was wide open in the middle of the field on that play. And, I mean, whatever. Like, just, I don't like bringing everyone in on fourth down and doing a handoff to whoever. Like you said, do what we do with Squirrel all the time that gets four yards. I actually, I actually, I mean, I, one thing, I don't think Heupel has learned to coach a team that doesn't score 38 points a game or whatever. Obviously, he hasn't. This is back-to-back weeks that he has had, like, no clue how to do it. He doesn't know how to utilize this amazing punter we have. However, I would have, I wanted him to go for it in the moment, and I don't care that he didn't get it. I don't care that we haven't gotten it all year. We haven't gotten it because the play calls have been shit and because the referee kicked the damn ball in Gainesville and made us reset. Okay, like I think going forward is the right thing. That's just what he does. I think it's the right call. I just don't like the execution, the play call. Well, no, the execution has left a lot to be desired, but I have zero problem with going for it. You'll never hear me come on here and complain that a coach was too aggressive. You know, unless it's a dire circumstance where, you know, you give somebody the ball inside the 15 yard line with a lead or something crazy like that. I got no problem with with sec, you know with fourth and go uh, fourth and one from your 34 yard line in the first half i got no issue with fourth and short from the 47 in the third quarter uh, assuming you're not giving 
a team the ball down four or five, your ball inside your own red zone. I'm not going to really bitch about anything. I always want aggressiveness. It just has to be better execution. And we can't keep running the same goddamn plays because they don't work. Not with this team. Not with this team. I mean, we did try different plays against Florida last year. I remember, you know, we missed the we we, we missed the fourth down conversion that could have iced the game and got us an 18-point victory. We missed that, and that was a different look. I believe that was like a play action out of under center that we completed the pass, and he just got tackled short. And then against Alabama, I mean, we threw a bomb to, to Keaton on fourth down. So, like, let's yeah, maybe I, mix those back in a little bit. And I know we didn't get the one against Florida, but at least we gave him a different look. Brother Ron Shumper tweeted this during the game. I think it was a good boy. He said, Heupel's coaching like, it, like he has the 2022 team, which I think there's some truth to that. You, I mean, I, I like going for it on fourth down. I do. I hate punting. I, I, I hate punting so much. I find it just so distasteful and unseemly. I have, like, just this deep-seated revulsion to punting. But, man, if we're going to run that play, then just let the Aussie kick it to the moon. I mean, he's amazing. Great redemption story for him. We were ready to run him out of town after the uh, the first game against Virginia. He has responded to criticism. He has. That being said, like the defense, I ranted and raved about them. I don't know what more you can ask out of a Josh Heupel defense and what they gave you on Saturday. They gave up 27 points with two interceptions and several sacks. Like that to me, okay, that to me is a perfect defensive game for a Josh Heupel team. We should have won that game by at least three touchdowns. 27 points with also, you know, giving up two fourth down stops where you – you know, put Alabama back on the field on your 35, they get a stop. And then also, you know, you give them the ball on your side of midfield and they did not get a stop. But still, that's 27 points fighting uphill as well. Yes, yes. And with two, like, they did the thing that I just always want this defense to do, which is just cause havoc. You got Joshua Josephs out here running around, deflecting passes, you know, decleating Jalen Milrow, James Pierce on the strip sack. I mean, Omar Norman Lott with the big sack. Like, they did what I want them to do, which is just to cause havoc. They didn't give up many points, and they forced a couple turnovers. It's just insane that we go from blitzing on the Hail Mary to in the half, which was badass, to sitting back in a zone in the second half. Yeah, I get the idea of wanting to, like, do something completely different because, hey, they're going to be scheming to, to you know, take advantage of those things, right? They're going to be scheming to, to make adjustments for what looks we're giving them. So, hey, they'll never see it coming if we just do something completely different. But uh, they should have wadded that up and threw it in the trash when Alabama scored in 30 seconds to open the halftime. Yeah. Like, they, like I, I don't know what more – like. We cannot sit back in zone. We couldn't do it against Florida last year. We couldn't do it against South Carolina. I mean, I'm like, I go, we, just, we can't do it. Just blitz. Like, I don't understand. It's so boring to sit back in zone. That's why I don't want to sit back in zone because it's boring. I don't want to go to sleep. I want you to blitz. I want to have fun. I will give the defense some credit. I was maybe a little hard saying that they got exposed and they weren't good enough. But, like, that emotions were high. And when you actually think about it, like you are, Seth, and you're, you're you're making me think about it in a different light. But, like, yeah, 27 points and creating two turnovers and, you know, one of the turnovers should have led to a touchdown, you know, instead of just three points. It should have been responsible for 
seven points. But yeah, like uh, that turnover led to three. They didn't give up the strip sack fumble that Joe Milton gave. So like really, they had a net of twenty four points. That should be plenty to win. That well, should I be think plenty. That both and they even got true. a stop. They even got two stops in the second half that led to Alabama having to kick field goals, which we said all of last year. That's a win for the defense. Hold it, hold the team to a field goal, and that's a big win because we'll score a touchdown. Problem was we couldn't score any touchdowns, and we also gave Alabama another one. And that being said, like, look, Tommy Reese embarrassed Tim Banks' second half. Now, I, I do think, I do think that in the fourth quarter, they looked exhausted. I mean, they looked tired to me. So I'm, you know, but I have been very, very, very mad at the defense over the last three days. But I, after thinking, of, you know, after thinking about it some more, I mean, I really. I, this the defensive performance they put up yesterday or Saturday last year. You know, we beat Alabama by three by four three four touchdowns in Al- at Alabama with last year's team. We I mean, made no mistake. Like I think that every single year that we're gonna have Josh Heupel, hopefully, the defensive performance on Saturday is good is good enough to get you a pretty resounding win because he's gonna score points. Now he's just saddled himself with this quarterback. For who knows why, he's wasted an entire season. We've not beat a single good team. Our two current best wins are against two and five South Carolina and a Texas A&M team who has lost eight straight games on the road. And then they also had a backup quarterback. We have beaten a bunch. I know you have to censor that out, but it's true. It's true. We it's haven't 2023. Beat- I, I do have to censor that out. We haven't beaten anyone. We could be 5-2 and two with Gaston Moore. If you put a gun to my head and made me play Russian roulette with that, and the, like, the deal breaker was whether or not we'd be 5-2 and two with Gaston Moore, I would say, hell yeah, we would be. No, Not a single doubt in my mind we would be. What is the point of the Joe Milton experience? You know, net, we have netted two touchdowns in the last 120 minutes of play. I, that's another thing I'm mad about is our fans. I am sick to death of these lemmings. They are cattle. It is human livestock. What did Joe Milton do to deserve this loyalty? He's not Hendon Hooker. He ain't even Jared Garantano, who at least went out there and put his body on the line for 60 minutes, year after year after year, and never once complained. Jerry Garantano loved Tennessee so much, he's out there crying on the field when Cole Kublik's interviewing him after he beats Kentucky on the road. That's how much he loved Tennessee. He didn't have any of this loyalty. He sucks at quarterback. What are we doing? We've won zero games because of Joe Milton. How is it punting on the season? Uh, For the first time in seriously five years, I got into arguments on Twitter Saturday night. I could not put my phone down. I've been been doing the same. It was so bad. And I feel so guilty about this. I haven't apologized to her yet. My sister, the best person in the world, is getting so annoyed with me. She's on the love seat. I'm on the couch in her beautiful house in Hoover, Alabama, and she starts texting me instead of talking to me because she knows I'm not listening to what she's saying because I'm arguing too much on Twitter. And it cut deep, John. It cut deep, and I still feel bad. But these people on Twitter were sending me over the edge it's punting on the season? It's it's hurting Joe's draft stock? None of, like, 
That doesn't matter. He's the highest paid employee in the state. He has one duty. It's to win football games. I'm so sick of him. We haven't won a single game because of Joe. We've nearly lost one because of him. But he's done nothing. Like, how is it punting on the season? I have found myself very angry, too. And, I'm, and, and then I will come across people, and I'll argue with them, and they'll say something so asinine that I do have to remember, like you said, cattle licking a cattle. salt block. Cattle licking a salt block. Just happy. They don't pay attention to this the same way that we do. I have to do it every damn day. But, like, one guy came and was like, hey, we can't, we can't judge Josh – these aren't his guys. Do you really think he wanted to play a transfer from BYU and from Vanderbilt? And it's not fair to be mad at Josh. Never mind, I wasn't mad at Josh. Never mind the fact I never has said anything bad about Josh. He's like, we can't judge these guys because this isn't Josh's roster. It's Pruitt's roster. To which I say, okay, that's okay if you want to think that way. So do you give credit for last year when you went 11-2 and with Pruitt's roster? He's like, well, that's a little dramatic because, you know, Hendon Hooker was the reason we went 11-2, and two, and that was Josh's guy. And I'm just like, uh, no. No, Jeremy Pruitt got Hendon Hooker. Josh Heupel has wanted Joe Milton. And then, of course, that guy doesn't reply. Yeah, he doesn't you, you respond. Buried him. You, you buried a dagger into his skull. He never replied. I got another guy who told me that I'm being unreasonable because it took Nick Saban and Kirby Smart five years, or it took Nick Saban five years to build Alabama – and that Kirby he Smart lost to Butch Jones in year, year one. And he I said, undefe- yes, other than the fact that Alabama went 12-2 and two in year two and went 14-0 and with the national championship in year three, I guess you have a point. And not even that, like, it's like 12-2 and two kind of, like, belies how they went 12-0 and 0 and lost to Tim Tebow and then lost to Utah in a game they didn't care about. It wasn't even like they went 11-2 and two like Tennessee did last year. Like, they ran the damn table. And then today, for two days straight, actually, I've had some guy arguing with me over the fact that uh, last year's team had better talent than this year's team and just kept trying to look at every unit. What about the wide receivers? And I'm like, well, you know, last year's team was a little bit better. But the same guys that were on last year's team played better with Hidden Hooker than they did with Joe Milton. What about the offensive line? I was like, ah, you know, Darnell Wright, the best talent there, but the offensive line overall pretty comparable. The running game's better. And then I'm like, okay, well, what about uh, the – what do you think about the schedule so far through seven games? Easier or harder compared to last year? What do you think about the quarterback position? And then the guy's like, well, I don't want to talk about last year. I'm like, motherfucker, you've been talking to me about last year for two days. I was like, I haven't wanted to talk about last year. I'm not bringing up 2022 once. I'm not judging Joe Milton against uh, Hendon Hooker. I'm judging Joe Milton against average quarterback play. That's it. That's like, it. I, like, these people, are they trying to defend Joe Milton? Is that what they're trying to do? Like, I mean, is that it? Like, is that his point? Is he trying to defend Joe Milton? I mean, I, I had a guy tweet at me Saturday night saying, because I said, okay, look, this is my point. This is what I believe deep to the absolute fiber of my soul more than anything else about Tennessee football. After the Florida loss, after the Florida loss, the only thing that mattered is the 12-team playoff a home game in Neyland Stadium in 15 months. That was the only thing that mattered. Once you lost to Florida, you weren't going to do anything this year because you have to go to Tuscaloosa. You have to beat Georgia. None of that matters. The only thing that mattered is home game, Neyland Stadium, 
15 months. That was it. You should pit, you should have pivoted completely and entirely to that at that point in time. That's not saying don't play Brew McCoy because you want Nico to throw to the best receivers he has so he can be better and he can build confidence. But everything has to revolve around Nico up until the up until you know he's not any good. Then guess what? You go to the portal and you get some badass like every team in the Pac-12 has done. Like we did with Hinton Hooker. But everything, you have to fo- like you should focus everything for that home game because it's attainable. We just attained it a year ago if the playoff had been had started then. We would have had a home game in Neyland Stadium against who can uh, Kansas State, whoever it was. We sat here on the podcast and went through the 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 weird way they seed one time, but like you should you should pivot everything that. Well, I made that point several times on Twitter and a guy came at me, you know, Pivot towards next season. We're five and two. We've waited forever to be like this. And it's like, okay, but in this conference, if you wait and you're just like, if you're happy with five and two, that means you get left behind because it's the toughest conference in college football. And we're adding Texas and Oklahoma. So you can either keep innovating and keep, it's not easy. It's not easy, but you have to keep going forward. Five and two is not good enough. It's not good enough. You haven't well, I, would, beaten anybody. I would also say five and two is not what I've been waiting for. Whenever you look at the actual schedule and look exactly. at who we've beaten, five and two. If if you've played a murderer's row, uh, you know that's uh, most years. You know during the mid twenty uh, tens, if we were five and two, we'd look at that and say, "Man, that's great." That's not the case anymore. Florida's not the Florida from twenty ten. Hell, Alabama's not the Flo- uh, the Alabama from twenty ten. And we would have also had some really tough West games sprinkled in, and probably like somebody like Oregon or Oklahoma on the schedule instead of one win Virginia. So like that's been driving me crazy. And you know you have been preaching that, and I agree. Since the Florida game, hey, it's all about trying to position yourself to be a, a hot destination for transfers and to put the best roster possible around Nico and to have him repped and ready to go to try to make the playoff in 2024 with a 12-team playoff. I would go even further and say that we've been saying since January that the records the records can be the same. The records can be the same at the end of the year, but if you did not develop Nico at all, then the one record that you had with Joe Milton, even if it's a game different, means absolutely jack shit without winning the I, East. 100%. I would, I would 100%. I would, you, anybody can call me an idiot. I've been wrong about a lot of things, and I'm saying now I'd rather go 8-4 and four with Nico than 9-3 and three with Joe Milton. I had a guy get mad at me. Well, he, he, he didn't, I didn't even say this. He was like, it's such an idiotic thing to rather to go 6-6 six and six than 8-4. And, and I'm like, well, dude, I never said that. But we're about to go 8-4, and 7-5 and five with Joe Milton. Nico would get you the same thing. Because quarterback play hasn't done anything. It's not gotten you a single win. Not a single damn win. And the only thing that has mattered, the only thing that matters is playing Nico. Every snap he does not take is a wasted snap. Now it's even more. It's like now to me the stakes are like much higher than they were after the Florida game. Because you can at least tell our lemmings after the Florida game, look, we showed up on the road, we played a bad game, it happens on the road in college football, we're going to go 10-2, and two. just wait and see. You can't say that anymore. You cannot say that anymore. Missouri 7-1, and one, you're going to be underdogs there. I, I'm not saying I think we lose, but you're not going 10-2. and two. 
you're not beating Kentucky on the road, Missouri on the road, and Georgia at home. That's most likely, almost assuredly, not going to happen. Joe Milton just played the game of his life, and it netted you two touchdowns. Okay, think about that. It netted you two touchdowns. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It didn't even net you two touchdowns because you gave one back. You scored two touchdowns, you gave one back. It netted you one touchdown and two yeah, field I'm, goals. My bad, my bad, my bad. I'm 13 points is my what bad, it My bad, my bad. And that, was with, of, and that was with the defense getting a turnover inside the 30. It really netted you 10 points. It net, yeah, I was thinking of the last two games he'd had three touchdowns. You're correct. You're correct. Yeah, so— Everyone's talking played, about how good Joe played. And look, that's fine. He did play a pretty solid first half. And then in that first half, you left so many points on the board because he could not make throws in the red zone. That's fine. I was glad to see him finally run like we've been begging him to do. Thank you for finally running. That did open up the offense a little bit in the first half. But at the end of the day, you netted 10 points. You netted 10 points, and you didn't score in the second half. And instead of not score, and not only did you not score in the second half, you also gave them a touchdown. And you could say it's not his fault. Whatever. Hold on to the ball. He's got big, strong hands. Be a little bit quicker with your decisions. I don't know. I'm going to blame him because the offense lost seven points and scored zero, and he's the leader of the offense. I mean, I just – the stakes are so much higher now going into Halloween than they were after the Florida game. It is absolutely, in my opinion, in my opinion, it is malpractice to not play Nico at this point. I don't care – what anyone has to say, they can tell me, like people, like that one dude on Twitter was telling me that, like, look, at least two games, Gaston Moore would have had to play if, if, if Joe got hurt. Okay, we've played seven. You paid this dude $8 million. I was wrong. I spent the entirety of last football season telling people that there's no way Joe would start because you don't pay a guy $8 million to sit the bench. I was wrong. Apparently, you can. But, like... He was rated higher than a dude with the last name Manning. That's hard to do. That last name gets you rated really high on its own. And he 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 was rated higher than Arch. It's malpractice to not play him. It makes me sick that, that it's like, okay, if you just started Nico, if you just started Nico, if you just said, we're starting Nico, you know how excited I would be about Saturday night? Like, I might I drive be, to Lexington. I would be over the damn moon. I would be so thrilled. It would be it would bring so much joy to my life. I would be so happy if I knew that I was going to get to watch this goofy, lanky dude with hair down to his waist throw the throw the football around. It would be so cool. But instead, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go watch the Joe Show again. We're gonna get to see the bow and arrow. Well, my biggest problem is just the mental gymnastics. And I talked a little bit about it yesterday on Talk Sports, noon to three every day on Fox Sports Knoxville. But just the mental gymnastics that people are having to jump through. You know, hey, trust Josh Heupel. He knows which guy's better. And, you know, never mind the fact that he started Joe over Hendon Hooker. But also keep in mind that last year was special because Hendon Hooker is one of the greatest quarterbacks in Tennessee history. That's right, Hinton Hooker was special. But, oh, by the way, keep in mind that, that, that you know, Josh wanted to start Joe over him. Tennessee still has a chance to go 9-3 and three just running the ball and playing defense. But also keep in mind that you have to have a quarterback that you've had. You know, no quarterback on the bench could possibly come in and let a team play defense and run the ball. 
I would much rather have that guy start next year with no experienced offensive lineman. I would rather him get his first reps of game time that way with a completely new offensive line because, you know, pretty much everybody on the line is a senior right now. That makes more sense than letting him right now with the benefit of having a good run game, a good defense, a soft schedule in sense of, you know, Kentucky's defense isn't very good. Missouri's defense isn't very good. Georgia, you know, that'll be tough, but at least that's at home. Then you get Vandy and UConn. So, like, the schedule sets up to make a good run by playing defense and running the ball, but we have to have this quarterback who's in his sixth year do that. He has to be on the field to let us play defense and run the ball. It can't be a younger guy where we're actually getting reps for him. Because trust Josh, he knows what's best. Hendon Hooker was special, but also, you know, forget that he wanted to play Joe Milton over him. And, like, they're just doing these flips and cartwheels, and they're trying to to walk over and make, you know, without you know stepping in a trap, but they're just completely oblivious to the things they're saying, and that's been what's making me the maddest. That's what's made me feel the craziest. It's all contradictory. I'm sorry, I don't trust Josh. He wanted to play Joe Milton over Hidden Hooker. Is there anything more concerning about Josh Heifel uh, than the fact that he has willingly and freely chosen Joe Milton not once but twice. That, to me, is the most concerning thing. I don't like the fourth down play calling. I don't like the fourth down play calling. That's alarming. Not as alarming as choosing Joe Milton twice. Over Hennon Hooker, who is special, and also the number one rated quarterback recruit in the country. You know, I saw people also trying to, like, compare Tennessee's situation with Texas's situation. Like, look! Look! Arch Manning's third string. They're not going to put him in because he's a freshman. He's not ready to play. Quinn Ewers got hurt, and they're not throwing Arch to the Wolves, to which I would say, well, yeah. Because yeah, Malik Murphy, they think, is badass. Well, yeah, they have a redshirt sophomore who was a top 200 quarterback. We don't have that. If Taven Jackson was still here, Seth, I would be okay with playing Taven Jackson first. If Taven Jackson would have gotten in after the Florida game, I would say, you know what? Give him a shot. Let's see what he's got. He's a redshirt so- uh, freshman. He maybe is a little bit you know, more prepared to play. I would allow that to happen. We don't have that guy. We don't have that guy. We don't have that top 200 four-star quarterback like Texas does. So, you know, making that comparison is just akin to taking your big old tongue and licking your salt block and taking your tail and trying to knock the flies off as you sit there and just relax and don't worry about anything. You're just happy. You're just happy-go-lucky. These people were happy. They're happy. Like I, I saw – okay, okay, we haven't talked about this. Um, the the video, uh, I saw this thanks to Brother Marwan, and then my best friend Luke texted it to me. The video of Joe Milton talking about running that dude over against A&M and, like, bragging about it and all what whatever whatever i mean it's obviously the fact is is that he went crazy and then like he like blacked out and then threw the world's worst interception the next play i mean he's he's just whatever but like the i saw that tweet and the replies to it are so mind numbing i like one was like i really hope joe plays well because he gets it and i'm like he does he gets it he gets it he's out here doing the damn bow and arrow He's flexing after he runs for a touchdown against UTSA. The I week after, that, he, I think that was actually Austin P. Too. It was Austin P. It was Austin P. It was Austin P. Which I mean, he might have flexed after the very first play against UTSA. That was a long touchdown run, but he scored that touchdown right before half to give us like a seven point lead, and he's like going crazy. Yeah. Yes. 
I'm like, he gets it. He does. He gets it. What does he get? There ain't much to get if he's getting it. Well, I, I'm just like, I'm flabbergasted. And I hate getting on here and like complaining about the fans. But it's just been an avalanche of anger. And I apologize to you for getting on here and just ranting nonstop. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I find this to be therapy. This is why we're still doing this. That we Think about the shitty years and shitty games we got through <laughs> together. This this podcast was built on us ranting to each other and using this as a therapy session. People like listening to it. Some have quit over the years. That's fine. But there's a lot of people who like it. And Seth, a lot of people think that we speak for them. We give them a voice. Now, not everyone who listens will agree with these takes. Maybe they are cattle licking their salt block, and they're having a good time, and they think, hey, 5-2 and two ain't so bad, and we can go 9-3, and three, and it's okay. All of that's fine. I'm not here to really convince anybody. I'm not here to try to win anybody over on the podcast. And I will argue with people on Twitter, but mostly that's for my own, that's for my own amusement. But um, And the people that like seeing me destroy people with facts and logic, I, I do that for them. But hey, if you're happy with five and two, I'm happy for you. Seth's not. I'm not. I'm not going to be happy with nine and three. I'm going to feel like this is a wasted season if we go nine and three and Nico does not get any significant reps. Nine and three will not move me at all when you tell me our best win is going to be Kentucky on the road. And if we go nine and three, 99% chance our best win will be Kentucky on the road unless you're telling me we lose to Kentucky or Missouri and then beat Georgia, to which then I might change my tune, but I don't see that happening. That's not going to move me if 9-3 and three and, and a road win at Missouri or Kentucky is our best win, and your five-star quarterback got zero valuable reps. To me, that is a wasted season. And I understand it's the best, you know, the second best season we, we will have had since 2007. I understand that, but I mean it. I mean it. I will not be moved at all. I won't be necessarily like, you know, strike one against Josh. But let me tell you, 9-3 and three would be the absolute cutoff. If he goes 8-4, and four, Buddy, I'm going to be irate at 8-4 and four if we didn't get Nico any valuable reps. And I'm not counting UConn or I'm not counting Vandy as valuable reps or a bowl game. I'm talking about actually getting him into the fire on the road against teams with a pulse. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, Tennessee had two – Tennessee went into this year with two losing streaks of 20 years. They have not won in the Swamp since 03. They have not won in Bryant-Denny since 03. They had two golden opportunities to win. You are just flat out much more talented than Florida. And then you come to Bryant-Denny, and like the Florida game, it is what it is. If you, like, for me personally, like if, like if winning that Alabama game would have meant a lot, and it would have like... Yeah, the Florida game happened, whatever. It, it is what it is. It just is what it is. But you come out there and you just beat Alabama and Nick Saban on the road. You establish a streak there. That's pretty special. And you come out absolutely on fire. You play amazing. And you get two touchdowns. Everyone knew. Everyone knew. that You know, purely by the grace of God, did we get that second touchdown to end the half? It's unbelievable to me that he actually threw that ball well. That he actually threw a good ball to our tight end. On the run, no less. No, I think everyone was prepared for him to get sacked with no timeouts. Backing up, 
you know, they, they bring the house. He's, 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 he's backpedaling. He throws a touch pass on the money. Unbelievable. Absolutely shocking. You know, I can't believe that he... That he we, we play our ass off, and we get two touchdowns. I mean, you had two golden opportunities to end two 20-year losing streaks, and you didn't win either. And it would be forgivable if it was because Nico was getting reps. And you could start this. Because if you had played Nico game one, guess what happens on Saturday? He looks pretty damn good. You might not win because he is a freshman on the road. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? But he's looking pretty damn good. And he's going to ball out against Kentucky this weekend. And you're going to go into next season really, really hot. You're going to be sexy. You're going to be sexy with this chubby coach that has a slight lisp that's an amazing person. You're going to be really sexy with him at the helm. Because he's going to be passing breadsticks to everybody because we got Nico. But instead, you're going to take an amazing season by Hendon Hooker going 11-2, and two, and you're just going to, you're going to take a step back. And when you take a step back in the Southeastern Conference, you're getting lapped. And that's what's disappointing. You can never take a day off. Five and two on paper is fine after the last 15 years. Five and two in the real world is terrible. And the only way to me it's forgivable is if it's because Nico started every game. You've wasted seven out of 12 games. God gives us 13 Saturdays of fall. He gives us a quarter of the year for this sport. We've wasted seven games. I haven't really known peace since OG Matt pointed out that uh, all the Pacific Northwest teams and all the West Coast teams are graduating quarterbacks. And all the quarterbacks have been pretty good, too. Um, you know, been developed pretty well between Caleb Williams at USC and, and Michael Penix at Washington and, and Bo Nix at Oregon. All those West Coast teams are going to get those guys drafted pretty highly and uh, played pretty good offense this year. And, you know, I haven't really known peace. My mind went to a dark place there. He should have just went to the portal. There's a lot of things I take issue with over the offseason. They should have gone to the portal. They should have tampered like hell. Alabama and Georgia are basically just handing Drake May's family cash money. Alabama's handing, doing whatever they can to get Tyler Van Dyke to come to Alabama. And nothing happens. Oh, no, no, no. I was talking about our five-star West Coast quarterback maybe wanting to go back oh. home. That, that's what I was talking oh. about. Oh, oh. Well, listen, that's so dark I won't even entertain it. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying that's, what's, that's where my mind has been, our five-star West Coast quarterback that isn't getting to play behind a guy who cannot really play quarterback that well. And that, that's what I've been worried about because all three of those guys have looked like they're having a lot of fun this year playing in that offense. The good news is uh, Lincoln Riley, he signed a five-star quarterback last year that he had with him that was committed to him when he was in Oklahoma, who's from Southern Cal. So that's his I guy. haven't gone I through Washington or Oregon's stuff either. I'm just I saying. I doubt either one of those teams has a guy, though. That's so – listen, listen, I can't handle that. I can't handle that. My, you know, I can't handle that. You know – after the A&M game, I ruined my other sister's birthday dinner because I acted so ugly. My mom told 
my sister, that that was the worst I've ever acted. I'm 32 years old. I've been living in pure shame for the last 10 days. See, the worst I've ever acted, the wor- it, which is not true, of course. This is, this is patently false. I didn't act that bad. I've acted bad before. And my response was, well, if you had to watch Joe Milton play Texas A&M in person, you would act ugly too. But it fell on deaf ears. However, the other issue I have over the offseason is that not once did they ever tamp down the expectations with Joe Milton. Like, John Bryce brought that up to me a, co- a couple weeks no, ago. Like, they thought he was going to be good. Like, why did they not just try to put out some feelers and say, hey, let's just slow down a little bit? But no, they fully let the Joe show become a beast of its own. Like, Buddy, you don't live in Knoxville. Every time I watch TV, I see three commercials with Joe Milton on it. God, that's hell, man. Trying to sell me stuff. That's hell. Do you know what I that's like it. after watching him go 11 for 22 for 100 yards against Texas A&M? <laughs> pain. Pain. That's pain. I haven't turned on the TV because – I haven't turned on the TV since I got home from Alabama because I don't want to see Joe. I have to see him on billboards when I drive to work. Oh, man. That's pain. That's NIL was a mistake. Let's do a quick, quick, quick round of Patriot questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Got some new patrons we need to shout out, which is really why we're doing questions. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. New $2 patron, Troy P. Shout out to Brother Troy P. We love you and appreciate you. New $5 patron, Jacob Spence. Shout out to Brother Jacob Spence. We love you and appreciate you. New $5 patron, Jeremy Wilson. Shout out to Brother Jeremy Wilson. We love you and appreciate you. New $5 patron, Harrison. Shout out to Brother Harrison. We love you and appreciate you. And new $5 patron, Mikhail Lavaronovich. Shout out to Brother Mikhail. We love you and appreciate you. Find me a couple questions to ask, and we'll get out of here. Brother Sloth, a great man, asks for both of us, what brings us the most joy lately? What's putting a smile on my brother's faces? The Titans. Oh, wait, nope, not them. I haven't really played any pickleball the last couple weeks either. I had a new PR in the gym today. That's good. They gave me a little smile. Um, scary movie season. Popcorn, Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, that was too long. They didn't really put a smile on my face. Uh, there's not much, really. What's put a smile on my face? The highlights of my last couple of weeks have probably been the the Twitter Spaces every Wednesday night at nine o'clock. That's been the highlight of my weeks. Brother Sloth, I've been listening to a podcast on Captain Cook the greatest sea explorer of all time, and you as a fellow seaman would love it. That's put a smile on my face. Seeing Brother Parker in Tuscaloosa and meeting his father on Saturday put a smile on my face. His dad had absolutely zero clue who I was or why I was shaking his hand. He looked at me like I was an alien from outer space. I, I saw Parker nobody. Later, I saw I saw nobody in Alabama. I was with uh, – the whole day I was with your boy Tyler Webb and his beautiful bride, Rachel. Yeah, I texted him. He said you guys were in the quad or whatever. Uh, I was like, I didn't have anything with me. I wasn't going to just go freeload, so I just went to a bar. And hung out um, with my guy, Jordan, from Vintage UT. Great lad. If you want some Vintage then, UT apparel, you could find him on Twitter or Instagram. Great guy. We were walking down past the fraternity house, and I heard somebody yell my name. And who was it other than my brother Parker, looking handsome as always? Shook his father's hand. His dad had absolutely zero clue. So those two things have brought me joy lately. Um my family, 
my family has brought me joy. I have not brought them sounds joy. Like, I was going to say, it sounds like you haven't brought them joy. They bring me joy every single day. I love them more than I could ever put into words. Brother Ryan asks, what are our top three grocery store chains? Congrats to Ryan. Him and his wife are expecting, by the way. Oh, congrats, Brother Ryan. Congrats, Brother Ryan. That's awesome. I don't have three grocery store chains. I mean, I guess Kroger. I'm a Kroger and Publix man. Um, Publix. I eat so much. I eat so many meals from Publix. It's actually kind of embarrassing. I eat probably at least. I eat at least two meals a a week from Publix. At least. I don't think they're. I don't like their rotisserie chicken is awesome. I don't mess with the rotisserie chicken. I just get the chicken tenders. You get three tenders, which are big, and two sides for like seven ninety nine. Maybe it's gone up a little bit in price. That's the best deal around. You can't go anywhere and get anything for seven ninety nine anymore. Dude, their rotisserie chicken is good. I don't, you know I don't even like chicken. Their yeah. rotisserie chicken is real good. And I get of it pretty often. Chicken tender sub, delicious as well. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm a Kroger man, and I like Publix. If I had to pick a third, just for my childhood, I'll go with Piggly Wiggly. Brother Preston asked, "Do you ever wish you were a cow licking a salt block?" Seems like a seems like a simple life. As long as, except as long as it wasn't one of those really really hot summer days, but then I would just hide in the woods, or get in the pond. I mean, you don't know any better. It's got to be amazing. You don't know any better. You're like, wow, look, we're five and two, guys. It doesn't matter that our best wins against two and five South Carolina, which our quarterback didn't play very good in that one either. It's not. It's it's a good thing, guys. We're five and two. Come on, remember the Dooley days. We'd be killing for five and two. Come on, guys. Trust me, it's good. We won five games. We only lost two. You lost Alabama and Florida. Did you really expect to beat Alabama and Florida? Come on, you're five and two. It's good. I'll just say it. If you're happy with five and two right now, you're a cuckold. I'll say it. You're a cuckold. Special edition, it's opening night, Seth. Name players from NBA teams is back. We have a request from Reese. He wants to know how many of the defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets you can name. I'm going to set the over-under at four and a half. Jokic, Jamal Murray. Yep. Does... um. KCP still play for him? Okay, he does. You might get the over. I did not think you were going to get him. You might get the over. Christian Braun. <laughs> okay, well, I definitely didn't think you were going to get Christian Braun, but it's actually Christian Brown. He just spells it like Braun. Very weird. Oh. um, The guy from Missouri that was a five-star who's always hurt. Aaron Gordon plays for the Denver Nuggets. He does? Wow. I, I, am, I did a bad job of setting the line. Um, does that guy from Missouri that was a five star that only played like one year under Conzo? Well, yes, but that doesn't count because you don't know his name. Okay. Um, but he is there. I knew about Aaron Gordon. I really didn't see Christian Brown coming. Well, he was a rookie last year. Yeah, he was. Yes, I'm aware. Uh, um, is that it? You done? I'm le- I know that I gotta be leaving some layups out there. Honestly, no, not really. How many did I get? You got five, I think. Okay. Michael Porter Jr. is the Missouri guy okay, you're thinking that's of. That's right. That's right. That's right. 
And really, outside of that, there's nobody I really expect you to know. I mean, Reggie Jackson, no, I expect you to know that. He uh, still plays in the NBA? He does, he does. Um, DeAndre Jordan is, is also on the team, but I don't expect you to know that. So, no, pretty good. You, you did good. I, I didn't expect you to get Christian Brown, and I didn't think you'd get KCP either. I thought you might say Bruce Brown. He's no longer there. He's with Indiana. He was good for them last year. All right, Seth, any other thoughts? That's it. Love you. Talk to you soon. I love you. Later. Bye-bye. We clawed, we chained our hearts in vain. We jumped, never asking why. We kissed, I fell under your spell. A love no one could deny. Don't you ever say I just walked away I will always want you I can't live a lie running for my life I will always want you I came in like a wrecking ball I never hit so hard in love All I wanted was to break your Got me.